Have you ever considered how many different roles you fulfill in a given day? Uh, For example, I am a husband, a father, a brother, a child, a nephew, an uncle, and some even say the number one nationals fan here in the D.C. area. That's a lot of different roles. But I also have a few more. I'm a pastor, a patient, a patron. And from time to time, some have even said a pain in the neck. One person, many different roles to fulfill. We're headed toward Easter, and Christians around the world will be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And as we move toward Easter, we are reminded of the powerful expressions of Jesus' unique and glorious identity. He is our high priest interceding on our behalf. He is the suffering servant who went to the cross to die for our sins. He's the good shepherd who leads and nurtures our soul. Our king who offers provision and protection and is reigning victoriously. We are familiar with these expressions of the ministry of our Lord, priest, shepherd, king, and savior. Yet there's another role that may not always make it to the front of our mind when we think about Jesus, and that is Jesus, our prophet. A prophet. It was how he was first identified by some. When Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? They replied, Elijah, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, or one of the other prophets. When he was rejected in his hometown, he alluded to his identity as a prophet, as a prophet is not welcome in his hometown. Prophets of God are most known for describing God's future activity. But that narrow definition does the role of severe injustice. Prophets represented God to the people as they spoke on God's behalf. They called the people to repentance and faithfulness. They warned the people of how God would judge their unfaithfulness the exilic prophets held out hope for Israel, which brought comfort and consolation. In our text today, we find Peter describing Jesus not only as the fulfillment of the message of the great prophets, but as the ultimate prophet of the Lord. As the Word made flesh, he embodied the phrase, thus saith the Lord. Well, let me invite you to turn or launch your Bibles to Acts chapter 3, verses 17 through 26. Acts chapter 3, verses 17 through 26. And we're joining Peter in mid-sermon here, so let me just provide a little bit of context and, and set the stage a bit. Acts chapter 3 opens with Peter and John healing a man as they were going to the temple one afternoon. They're confronted with this man who could not stand or walk, and The man asked them for money. It was only by the mercy and compassion and generosity of others could this man ever survive. And Peter looks at this man and says, Joe, I have no dough, or or something like that. I'm not sure what your translation may say. But what Peter then said is, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. And then Peter reached down to the man, and he helped him up. Now, let me hit the the pause button on our topic for this morning, just for a moment. I love this detail. 
if I were telling the story, I probably would have skipped this little detail and gone right to the man jumping to his feet and praising God and telling everybody else what had just happened to him. But the text says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Oh my. God could have healed this man without Peter's help. But God allowed Peter to join in on the healing. This man's healing happened when the Word was proclaimed. In other words, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And when Peter got directly involved by taking him by the hand. That's a word for the church today. We cannot bring healing to our cities and our communities without with preaching alone. We cannot bring healing and hope with protest alone. We have to get involved. We have to reach out and extend our hands and be the healing hands of Jesus like Peter was. Well, let's hit the play button again on our topic for today of Jesus' prophet. Picture this scene as we continue to set up the text. The man walks to the temple with Peter and John. He's jumping up and down. He's praising God, and people are taking notice. Then Peter starts preaching, and he tells all who will hear that they should not be surprised that the man had been healed because, after all, it was not Peter and John's power, but it was the power of Jesus. And he goes on to tell them that they rejected Jesus. They had him arrested, tortured, and crucified, and that God raised him from the dead. Peter had a way of cutting right to the chase. And he tells them it was in the name, the beautiful, wonderful name of Jesus that the man was healed. Now we come to our text. Acts chapter 3, verses 17 through 26. Peter continues, Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what He had foretold through all the prophets saying that the Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that He may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive Him until the time comes for God to restore everything as He promised long ago to His holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Let's pray together. Word of God, speak to us. Pour down like rain. Wash our eyes to see your majesty. Let us be still and know that you're in this place. Word of God, speak to us today. Amen. Why does considering the prophetic expression of Jesus' ministry and his life matter to us today in 2021. As Christians, when we receive Christ, we receive all of who we are into the very center of our being. 
We receive His work as our suffering servant dying for us on the cross. We receive His sovereign rule as our King. His tender touch and healing as our Shepherd. His advocacy as our great High Priest. And when we take His prophetic ministry into our hearts, and when we have ears to hear His prophetic voice coming through Scripture, it is then, it is then that we can be the people of God that He wants us to be. In our time left, let me just explore two ways the prophetic ministry of Jesus falls deeply into our hearts. The first way is that we receive the truth. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, everything about Jesus, every miracle He performed, every word of comfort He extended, all of His ministry was truth. And when we receive His prophetic words in our lives, we often hear a truth. The truth that for some reason we have not been hearing or if we've been hearing it, we have not been obedient. Let me say it another way. Hearing the prophetic words of Jesus help us see ourselves as we really are. When Jesus encountered the woman at the well, He told her, that she had been in multiple relationships. And her response to him, Sir, I see you are a prophet. And do you know what she told the people when she went to the village when she got back? She told the people, He told me everything I ever did. In other words, Jesus told her the truth about herself. The Holy Spirit, speaking through Peter in our text, told the people the truth about themselves. He confronted them with the hard truth that they had missed Jesus, that they had rejected Jesus, and they had Him arrested on trumped-up charges. He told them that they chose a murderer over the Messiah. They needed to hear a challenging word from outside of themselves. They needed to hear the truth from outside of themselves. Sometimes it is really hard to see us. Sometimes it's really hard to see ourselves as we really are. I remember the, the first time that it really hit me that I was bald. I, for some reason, I'd just not been able to see it uh, when it first started happening. And I was preaching at my previous church. And the way my previous church is designed is there was a center aisle. And beyond these center aisles are two doors. And then beyond those two doors is this really big mirror. Well, I preached that morning and I'd gone down to the, I left the platform area and gone down to the, to the floor there and was receiving people for prayer uh, before we dismissed. And uh, the praise team was praising and they were singing along and, and I was standing there and all of a sudden the greeters got you know, pretty, pretty ready to leave and so they opened the doors. And as soon as they opened the doors, I'm going to be honest with you, the thought that came to my mind, the very first thought that came to my mind is, oh my goodness, there's my Uncle Bill. And then it hit me, no, that's not Uncle Bill, that's me. For some reason, I could see myself in that mirror the way I'd never seen before. And I'd looked in the mirror that morning and all the previous mornings at home. But for some reason, maybe it was the, the height of that mirror or the angle or whatever, I could see that I was bald. Now, here's how our mind 
plays tricks on us. Here's how sometimes we're just not able to see ourselves as we truly are. My uncle Bill had been dead for 30 years when I had seen that. But for that moment, I thought, wow, Uncle Bill's here. There are times we need to hear the truth from outside of ourselves. And this is what Jesus' prophetic words do for us. They hold up a good and true mirror so that we can see ourselves as we really are. They get into our lives and they do the good work of showing us the truth. When we are angry and we want to write someone off, we need to hear the prophetic words of Jesus calling us to love those who insult us, calling us to love those who persecute us and our enemies. When we want to turn an indifferent ear to the suffering and injustices of people who are not like us, we need to hear the story of the Good Samaritan and realize that the one in need is our neighbor. When we want to jump up on our high horse and pronounce judgment over someone who has fallen, maybe even a brother or sister in the church, we have to hear the words, judge not, lest you be judged by the same measure. Stop looking at the speck in your brother's eye when there's a plank in yours. Let's be sure to note, the prophetic ministry of Jesus should hold sway both in our individual lives and in our relationships as communities of faith, our corporate relationships together in our church, in our network of churches, in our denominational relationships. Peter addressed, and not just an individual here, but Peter addressed a group of people. This leads us to ask soul-searching questions, doesn't it? What have we done as a group that brings displeasure to our Lord? What hard truths do we need to see about ourselves as a community that we've not been able to see? Where have we been silent when we should have been speaking up and speaking out for those on the margins in our community? As a congregation here in Old Town, Alexandria, I am so encouraged by the work that we are doing with the churches of South Washington. For those of you who may not be familiar with this ministry that we're engaged in with the churches of South Washington, Uh, We are four churches, a consortium of four churches, all on South Washington here in Old Town, Alexandria. Two historic white churches, two historic African-American churches. We simply use the designation historic because uh, there's diversity now in the churches. But like for our church, for example, we were started as historically white. In the church of South Washington, we are sharing ministry together. We're doing mission work together. We're worshiping together. And we are in dialogue with each other about the challenging issues of racial inequities. These conversations are sacred. And these conversations are prophetic because they allow ourselves to see, they allow us to see ourselves from a different perspective. We're challenged to see our blind spots. Through the prophetic word of the Lord, we see the truth about ourselves and the truth about the heart of God. And this is a gift to us. The second way that the prophetic ministry of Jesus falls into our hearts that I'd like to talk about is we receive an Erebon of heaven. In the Greek, Erebon means foretaste or deposit. Let's go back to our text. Peter is throwing down this incredibly prophetic sermon 
And you would think that this sermon is going to be all hellfire and brimstone. No, not at all. Because with the idea of hearing a heavy and hard truth is also the idea of the promise of the joy of returning to the Lord. Peter offers three R words that are key for us here. In verse 19, we see the word repent. Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. The point of God's prophetic word in your life is not to crush you and to bring judgment or guilt. Just the opposite is to bring you to repentance so that you may be liberated and cleansed from the grip of sin. That great hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Oh, what a Erebon, or foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of His Spirit, washed by His blood, cleansed, forgiven, set free. In verse 21, we see another R word. It's the word restore. Peter tells the crowd that Jesus, in, Peter tells the crowd that Jesus is in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as He promised long ago through His holy prophets. From the very beginning, the work of the prophets of old pointed to a time when God would restore all things. Praise God! There will be a time, known but to God, when the prophetic word is no longer needed because everything that is wrong will be put right. No more sorrow. No more hunger. No more injustice. No more racism. No more war. No more poverty. No more violence, greed, or hatred. No more. Done. How about that? But until then, we have this incredible promise of the Arabon. The foretaste. Let's go back to verse 19. Verse 19, we see the word refresh. Peter tells them to repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Yes, God is going to restore all things. Yes, as Peter says in verse 21, God is going to put all things to right one day. But until then, until that time as we heed the prophetic word of Scripture, as we turn to God, in repentance, we get to experience heaven on earth. We don't have to wait to be refreshed. We can get a foretaste, if you will, of that eternal refreshment. The resurrection of Jesus, which we eagerly lean into and prepare to celebrate in the days ahead, is the beginnings of the final restoration. As we lean into Him, as we heed his prophetic word, we get a taste of it now. Heaven colliding with earth. In his commentary on Acts, N.T. Wright wrote, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, anyone who turns away from the life they've been leading and turns to God instead, anyone, including the crowds who bade for Jesus' blood and the Jewish rulers who sent Him off to Pilate to be crucified, anyone, at all, can know in advance the joy of being forgiven, of being refreshed by the love and the mercy of God, of discovering new life and purpose in following Jesus. An Arabon, 
a foretaste. Let me close with an analogy. I am so grateful. I am so thankful to God that Jody and myself, we have been able to be vaccinated with the COVID-19 vaccine. And this has been, uh, and I know some of you are waiting for a vaccine, and I hope uh, that as a vaccine comes available for you, uh, that you would take it right away. Um, this is the way that we can be a part of healing in our community. And this has been an incredible year. And I, just to be transparent with you, uh, there have been times that uh, I've been concerned. Well, maybe a better word is to say I've been afraid of what it would mean that maybe someone who jogs past me as I walk around Alexandria here with uh, my dog or or as I'm just taking a walk, or, or maybe just a trip to the grocery store and, and someone coughs or something, that I could actually get a virus in that moment. And that virus could make me severely ill or, or even die. And there have been times that this has really been a, a fear of mine. And I know some of you have, have lost loved ones to this virus. Well, two weeks ago when I was able to to go and, and get the, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. I must say to you that when that shot went into my arm for a moment, and actually for a lot of moments, there was just a weight that, that lifted off of me. Now, I, I, know, I know that I could, could die of some other disease, or I know in my euphoria of being able to get a, a, a vaccine that I could step across the street and get hit by a bus because I didn't look. I, I know all that. But as it relates to COVID-19, just for a moment, for a season, right, death was checked and death was defeated. It was like a foretaste, an Arabon, a, a season of refreshment that is going to be like that day when God restores all things when there is no disease, and when there is no death, when there is no sickness, and when there is no sorrow, when there is no fear, in that moment, it was an Arabon. It was a refreshment. But you know, you know what receded, preceded, excuse me, that moment of foretaste, what preceded that Arabon? A sting. A sting. That shot stung when it went into my arm. Now, praise God, I didn't have any side effects, but that shot stung for a minute. Hearing the prophetic words of Jesus, our prophet, may sting for a moment. Heeding the prophetic words of Jesus brings us a foretaste of heaven. Let me say that again. Hearing the prophetic words of Jesus, letting them fall into our hearts, may sting for a moment. Heeding them, listening to them, responding to them, brings us a foretaste of heaven. Will you pray with me? I want to close in prayer this morning. Let me ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes. And let me just ask you in the quietness of this moment, in the stillness of this moment, ask God to search your heart this morning. 
Is there a prophetic word that Jesus needs to speak over your life from the pages of Scripture? Is there a hard truth that you need to hear this morning? Ask for the humility to hear what the Lord wants to say to you. It's the Lord bringing to mind a sin in your life from which you need to repent. If so, ask God for the grace to walk in repentance. Do you need to live into the promise this morning of the refreshment, the Erebon, the foretaste of heaven now? Ask God to fill you with the joy of obedience and walking in the promise of His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Word of God, speak to us. Fall down like rain into our hearts today. God, we thank You that through Jesus we are able to see ourselves as we truly are. Give us all that we need to open our hearts and to open our minds and to receive His prophetic words so that we can not only see ourselves as we truly are, but be the people that You want us to be. God, we thank You that through the ministry of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, shaping us to be more and more like Jesus, that God, even as we see those challenging and difficult parts of our lives that we can see them and Lord we can see them through your eyes of grace and mercy and holiness and that you give us all that we need to repent and that by your work by your sanctifying power in our lives we can be the people that you want us to be and yes, God, it starts with hearing the prophetic words of Jesus, our prophet. Let us have ears to hear what he would say to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.